Hi there, Pastor Austin Vondercheck here. Thank you for joining us at Rosewood Church Online. My prayer for you is that this message by our guest pastor and friend will be used by God to bless, teach, and challenge you today. And whether you call Rosewood home and are catching up on a past message, or you're one of our many long-distance partners who tune in every week, would you consider giving back to support the ministries and missions of Rosewood Church? You can do so easily through our website, rosewoodchurch.org. And if you're listening and you're local to the West Michigan area, we would love to have you in person when the time is right for you. And again, I pray this blesses you and helps you grow in your love of Jesus Christ. Good morning. Um, I'm Lindsay Berkey, and I'm the director of worship here at Rosewood Church. Uh, Thanks, Brant from Grant and his team for a filling in and leading us in worship this morning so I could think about something else for a little bit. But normally, I have kind of my musician hat on. And as a musician, kind of a right brain creative, a common misconception is that that sort of creativity would like translate into being good at art. That is unfortunately very false. Um, If you don't believe me, I will show you. Okay, all right, all right, all right. To be fair, this is pretty good. Uh, But in the interest of full disclosure, I did not make this. My five-year-old did. I made this. (laughs) All right, all right. So this is not my calling. This is not my creativity. But you know what I can do? Play-Doh. All right? And I bet every one of you can do Play-Doh. Because anyone can do Play-Doh, right? You just need, like, a good mold. You take the Play-Doh, and you put it in the mold, and you push it down, and like, push, out pops out whatever shape you want it to be. You can make intricate shapes out of Play-Doh. It doesn't matter. It conforms to the shape of the mold. And you know what? I'm not good at drawing bumblebees or anything. Uh, my, My daughter asked me this week if I could draw her a dragon. I can't draw dragons, okay? But I could make a Play-Doh dragon if I had a dragon shape mold. I could put the dough in, push it down, out comes a dragon. I could do it again and again and again. I could do it tomorrow. I could put the mold away. I could come back next week or next month or next year. Same mold, same dragons. Because molds enable consistency. Over and over again, the dough that you put in will come out conformed to the shape of the mold. And you know, God's word says that we are like clay. He is the potter forming us into the image of his son. And molds enable consistency, right? So every day, each Christian should live and act and look exactly like Jesus, right? Unfortunately, that's not always how it works, is it? Our lives are consistently inconsistent. James actually describes our inconsistency this way. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, Can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Inconsistency 
is a problem because molds are identified by the shape that they produce and trees are identified by their fruits. If you've ever driven up kind of northwest of Grand Rapids into the Fruit Ridge area, if anyone knows what I'm talking about, there's this gorgeous couple of miles where fruit trees just line the roads and there's apple trees and peach trees and I am not a botanist, so in the springtime I'm guessing, right? Is this an apple tree or is this a peach tree? I might look at the leaves or the bark. I don't really know. I'm guessing. But in the fall, it's pretty easy to tell which ones are apple trees because they've got apples on them. Right? We identify trees by their fruit. And we identify a mold by the shape that it produces. In Matthew 7, Jesus uses this analogy to describe false prophets or people who claim to speak from God but fail the test of consistency. He says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. An apple tree is identified by its apples. The fruit is consistent with the root. And molded dough should be consistent with the shape of the mold. But as both James and Jesus point out, our lives often fail this test of consistency. We claim to be people of God, but more often than not, we misrepresent his character. James says that we use the same mouth to praise God and to curse the people that God made in God's image. This is not the way it should be. And this kind of inconsistency has real-life consequences. Some of you might be familiar with the ex-evangelical movement that's happening in Western Christianity. The word ex-evangelical was coined within the last decade or so to describe people who have walked away from their faith, often the conservative Christian faith that they, were, that they grew up in. And it's an alarming trend for about 100 years, the Gallup poll has tracked church attendance in the U.S., and for the first time in 2020, less than half of U.S. adults said that they belong to a church of any kind for the first time. Russell Moore, the editor-in-chief of Christianity Today magazine, has kind of identified a difference between the ex-evangelical movement and kind of previous trends of kids leaving their parents' religion. Whereas in the past, a lot of times kids would leave their religion because they didn't agree with the doctrine. They didn't believe in the virgin birth or in the resurrection or because the strict kind of moral and ethical code of the church just felt too restrictive. But the ex-evangelical movement is a different story. Moore says this, we now see young evangelicals walking away from evangelicalism not because they do not believe what the church teaches, but because they believe the church itself does not believe what the church teaches. This should be a wake-up call for all of us. If you think that the ex-evangelical movement has absolutely nothing to do with you, you're wrong. We are bleeding church members, people to serve and to give and to share the gospel, but more than that, we're kind of failing the Great Commission. We're called to be a living, breathing, physical representation of Christ to the world around us. 
But when we, what, but when what we do and what we say and how we treat people around us is consistently inconsistent with Christ, we demonstrate a faith that is inconsistent. And like these real-world statistics show, that inconsistency is causing people to reject Christianity and ultimately sometimes to reject Christ. And I bet for many of you, this problem is especially heartbreaking because it might be personal. You have children or grandchildren or siblings or friends who have walked away from the faith. Maybe someone that's close to you has experienced real trauma in the name of Jesus or at the hands of the church. Or someone you know has become disillusioned after meeting so-called Christian after so-called Christian who didn't live like Christ six days out of the week. But maybe some of you are more angry than sad. Like, this is a them problem, right? If someone walks away from the church, it's their fault, or their parents' fault, or their friends' fault, or their teacher's fault, or their pastor's fault, or anyone's fault except yours. But when Christians who live and love like Jesus becomes the cultural norm instead of the exception, it's a problem. When we are expected to condemn instead of to love, we've failed to look like Jesus. Jesus, James says that out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. That's like me giving you an apple full of worms and being like, okay, you need to eat the whole thing. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's got like, it's got some worms in it. It's fine. But the parts of the apple where there's no worms, they taste really good. Believe me, just eat it. Gross. Like who wants to eat that apple? And when we live in inconsistent faith, we're unapologetically offering bad fruit to a world that is starving for the gospel. Maybe you can identify areas of your life that are inconsistent, ways that you don't look like Jesus. Maybe you're frustrated and ashamed because out of your mouth comes praise and cursing. Maybe, just hypothetically, maybe you were fighting with your spouse on the way to church this morning because someone forgot to set the alarm, someone lost the keys, someone didn't move the clothes from the washer over to the dryer, and so all the church clothes were wet and smelly, and maybe the dog puked on the carpet, and you walked into the door of church, and you paced the biggest smile on your face, because of course you want these people to think you're perfect. Am I the only one? Anyone? I think we could probably go around the room and think of a lot of these inconsistencies, ways that we fail to live and love like Jesus. And it can be frustrating. It can be frustrating when you tell yourself, I'm not going to yell at my kids anymore. I don't want to. I don't want to yell at my kids anymore. Or I'm not going to lie anymore, even when it just seems easier. I don't want to go to bed thinking about all the things that I said that day and wishing I could take some of them back. But it's so hard. It can feel really frustrating like a losing battle. If you've ever experienced this own kind of frustration with your own behavior, I want you to know that there is hope. 
James says that we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. Maybe this doesn't sound very hopeful. Maybe it sounds like we're just being set up for more failure, right? Like, nobody's perfect. But the word that he uses for perfect is the same word that Paul uses in Ephesians to describe the church being progressively built up and equipped for service until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature or perfect, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We're all in the process of being molded into the image of Christ, a word that we call sanctification, literally the process of making something holy. And just like Plato can't mold itself, we can't make ourselves holy. We're not capable of our own sanctification. The message of the gospel is not salvation by faith, sanctification by self. No, rather, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, which is by faith alone, continue to walk in him. We can be encouraged that God is the great artisan at work, molding and shaping our lives. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. We won't reach complete and perfect maturity this side of eternity. But as the potter molds us, as God forms us into the image of his son, we can expect to see evidence of his sanctifying work. A lot of you know that my dad passed away about a year ago. And uh, it's been a really difficult grieving process for me because we were really close. You probably remember he'd be up here playing the bass or in the sound booth helping out. And it's hard because I can't get through a day without being reminded of something that's missing. Um, something that dad would have done, something that he would have said, some way he would have been involved in my life. But we weren't always that close. My dad was not a perfect man, and when I was a kid, he struggled with an anger problem to the point where I didn't want to have a relationship with him at that point in my life. But I remember when our relationship started to change, he started to apologize. And for me as a really small kid, and he seemed like such a big guy, he was not a big guy, but he seemed like a big guy, and he would humble himself and come to me and say, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that, I was wrong. And over time, he had to apologize less and less because he lost his temper less and less. And it changed my relationship, not just with my dad, but my relationship with Christ, because I was able to see the authenticity of my dad's faith. It changed him. How can your kids, or your grandkids, or your coworkers, or your neighbors, or your friends on social media, how can they see evidence of Christ's sanctifying work in your life? How do you see evidence of Christ's sanctifying work in your life? Are you different than you were a month ago? Or a year ago? Or ten years ago? Do you look more like Jesus? Or are you consistently inconsistent? If you are, and if you're frustrated of feeling 
consistently inconsistent. I want to remind you that the master potter wants to mold you into the image of Christ. He wants to make you a beautiful reflection of the gospel in the world. So this morning as we close, I want to identify three ways that the potter might be working on you today. First, maybe he's seeking your wandering heart. Just like Play-Doh sitting on the table is not going to get formed unless it's put into the mold, someone sitting in the pew is not just automatically going to look like Christ. You have to be in Christ. Ephesians 2 says that God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. By grace, you have been saved. God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Dough cannot put itself in a mold, and you can't put yourself in Christ. It doesn't matter what you do, you cannot earn your position in him. But if you feel like your heart is wandering today, if you've never experienced God's salvation, he's offering you his hand. He wants to place you in Christ and mold you into the image of his son. Maybe you've made a faith commitment before, but you still feel like you're wandering. Maybe like the hymn says, you identify that you're prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Maybe today God is seeking you and you can identify that you're in a mold that doesn't look anything like Jesus. His desire for you is that you would come near to God, and he will come near to you. God is seeking your wandering heart and giving you an opportunity to experience his close and intimate presence again. If God is seeking your wandering heart, I actually want to take a minute and pray for you this morning. Lord, in your grace, I pray that you would work in the hearts of those that are wandering, that you are seeking and drawing to yourself. Would your spirit whisper to these wandering hearts that they are fully known by you and desperately loved by you? Lord, you are the good shepherd that leaves the 99 to seek the one that is lost. So I ask that you would stir the hearts of those that you are seeking today. Amen. Maybe God is seeking your wandering heart, or maybe he's softening your hard heart. I don't know about you, but all the Play-Doh in my house is dried up. My kids do not put it away. And Play-Doh that's dried up is not going to mold the way that you want it to mold. It's lifeless. It's unworkable. And in the same way, hearts that begin to ignore the working and the prompting of the Holy Spirit can become cut off from their source of life. They can become hardened. 
and unmoldable. And hard hearts don't change. They don't grow, they don't mature, they stay the same. And maybe you feel like that describes you today. Thankfully, God will not throw you out <laughs> like dried up Play-Doh. God is in the business of reconciliation and restoration. He promised his people in Ezekiel 36, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. God wants to mold you, and only he is capable of turning hardened hearts back into clay. If you need him to soften you today, I want to take a minute and pray for you. Lord, in your grace, I pray that you would soften hearts today. Soften the hearts that have hardened towards others, that have hardened towards you. Would your spirit pierce the hearts that have become unmoldable? Set a fire in those that have become lukewarm. Like a skilled surgeon, would you remove these hearts of stone today? Amen. God might be seeking your wandering heart, and he might be softening your hard heart, but maybe he's shaping your broken heart. Just like a piece of dough sitting on top of the mold is not going to get fully formed into the shape you want. You've got to push it down. And just sort of existing in church, existing in faith, is not going to form you into the image of Christ. So God pushes us into Christ. He gives us opportunities to connect with him through prayer and through scripture and through serving so that we can get to know intimately this Jesus that we're trying to look like. But often, the experiences that break us are the most powerful tools that God uses to shape us. The great potter will allow us to go through things in life that put pressure on us, that squeeze us to allow us to be more fully conformed to the shape of Jesus. James says in chapter 1, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. God isn't oblivious to our pain. Rather, when we suffer, we experience the hand of God cruciforming us into the image of Christ who suffered everything for us. If God is shaping your broken heart this morning, I want to pray for you. Father, you know what each person here is walking through today. We know that you can empathize with our pain because you experience the pain of loss, of grief, of shame, of agony, of abandonment, torture, and crucifixion. Lord, you know 
you know our pain. You can identify with our pain. And so we know that you do not waste our pain. So we ask for your perspective. We ask for your perseverance in the face of trials. For peace that passes understanding when we just don't understand. We ask that you hold our broken hearts today in your hand like a loving father holds his child. Amen. Thank you again for making Rosewood a part of your day. Now go in peace to love and serve the Lord.